Today, I want to talk to you about the shift in your confidence. We talked about shift in your prayer, shift in your, in your thoughts. And now today, I want to talk about how to shift your confidence. Everybody say, shift your confidence. A shift is coming. How many of you believe a shift is coming? Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you today specifically about a guy, and you can find him in Genesis. I believe it's in chapter 39, 38, 37, somewhere in that area. It's a whole story. It, it goes through that area. Um, but if you turn with me, if you want to, you don't have to. But there's a story of Joseph. Anybody ever heard the story of Joseph? Joseph was the man. Anybody have a favorite kid? Don't raise your hand. Um, jo- <laughs> well, no, that have multiple kids. Okay. Not fair. Not fair. We, 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 I, I don't, and it's weird how you don't, because I mean, before I had my kid, before I had Caden, Caden was my world. He was awesome, and his brother was on the way. I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to love this one as much as I love that one. And I'm, how am I not going to have favorites? And, and be honest with you, I don't know how I don't have favorites, but I don't. Actually, some days, <laughs> it's the exact opposite, but all the parents said, don't judge me, y'all. Don't judge me. But, 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 but. This, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. He was his favorite. So much so, Jacob had 12 kids, 11 other sons, and he had Joseph. And, and Joseph was his favorite because he was older in life when he had Joseph. So much so that he gave Joseph a colorful robe. He said, look, I'm going to dress you up, and you're going to dress better than any of your other brothers. How do you think that went over? I can't go to the store without making it equal. You know what I'm saying, right? It's like, how come you got a bigger piece than I did? You love him more than me. Yes, I do. Now get on with your life, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it is, right? But, but seriously, this, is, this was Joseph's life. This was, he, so his dad set him apart, which set his brothers off. So here's Joseph, and he starts having these weird dreams. He's about 17 years old. He starts having these dreams, and these dreams basically consist of things bowing down to, other, to, to one thing, which he equates as himself, right? And his brothers are like, there's 11 of them. And there's two different dreams where 11 things bow down to one thing, meaning him. Can you imagine? I mean, 17-year-olds are cocky, right? Come on, guys. I mean, so he's walking up with swagger with his cool robe, like, check me out. I just had a dream. Y'all going to bow down to me. How do you think that went over? Not real well. So much so that his brothers had a plot to kill him. That's awesome. Brotherly love. So they go and they have this plot to kill him. So here's Joseph. He's going to go check on his brothers. It said, and the equate though, he had to walk like 15 miles through a field to find his brothers and, you know, tend them to herds and the sheep and all that stuff. So he walks through the field. And while they see him in the distance, they start plotting his life, how they're going to end his life. How awesome is that? Like, these are your brothers. Can you imagine what his enemies were doing? So, so they, were, they, were, they were plotting to end his life. And, and finally, Reuben stood up, and his, one of his older brothers said, look, let's not kill him. Let's dig a pit and throw him in there, and then, and, then, and then we'll see what happens. He'll drown, he'll die, he'll starve to death, whatever the case may be. Um, but let's not necessarily kill him. And Reuben's plan was to come back and get him later. He was coming back to rescue him later. So, so Reuben had this whole thing, like, I'm not going to stand up to my brothers, but I'm going to devise this plot, and then I'll get him out, and then everything will be cool. The boys will calm down, all that stuff. Well, so that was cool, except for Reuben left. They put him in a pit, Reuben left, and then his brothers decided not to kill him. They, they sold him into slavery. How awesome is that? Like, these are your family. Like, really, man? I, so, so they sold him into slavery. And here's Joseph. He honored God with his life. He was faithful to God with his life. He loved God more than anything in this world. And he stayed, 
he stayed, he stayed close to God. He got sold into slavery. And I don't know about you, but if I'm getting sold into slavery and have to do manual work, like hard labors with whips and chains and those kind of things, I don't know how good of an attitude I'm going to have. But he got, sold into, he got sold into slavery. He becomes Potiphar's servant. And he goes into Potiphar's home. And here's how awesome Joseph is. Joseph is so good at doing what he's doing that he gets promoted. And the Bible says that, that Potiphar, so he takes over Potiphar's entire estate. It says that all that Potiphar had to worry about was what he would eat. Joseph took care of everything else. How many of you need one of those in your life? I mean, seriously, yeah, no doubt. I just got it. He was basically retired, man. He's living in neutral and he just doing whatever he wants to do. And Joseph is taking care of the rest, except for jo- Potiphar has a wife. Her name is Predator. They don't say that, but we're just assuming. And Predator comes up, Joseph, it says that Joseph was a handsome man. And Predator liked Joseph a lot. So much so that Potiphar wasn't around. She said, hey, Joe, why don't you come over here and uh, I got something to show you in my bedroom, right? He's like, no, 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 no. I've got everything. I've got the keys to the kingdom. I honor God. I'm going to honor Potiphar. I would never do that to him and I would never do that to my God. He stayed faithful to God even when he didn't have to be. Right? He stayed confident in his relationship with God. He stayed confident in his relationship with Potiphar. And you know how blessed he was by God? Is that predator kept coming after him. Like, no, look, Joe. I mean, day. The Bible says day after day after day, she kept trying to entice him to sleep with her. And Joseph said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm going to stay faithful to God. And I'm going to stay faithful to Potiphar because he's entrusted me with all of this. And so, so finally one day she'd had enough. He walks in and she tries to lure him again. And she grabs his coat as he's running away because the Bible says flee from the appearance of evil. So he doesn't want to be, so he starts running away. So I got to get away from this girl, this woman. And, and, and so she tears his cloak off. It's his cloak. I'm not sure what that really means. If he ran around naked, I'm not sure what happened, but so much so that she starts screaming. The servants come in and she said, he tried to rape me. So God honored and Potiphar honored his faithfulness by throwing him in jail. How awesome is that? So I'm staying faithful to God. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And now I find myself in jail. I'm doing everything right in my life, everything right in my life. And I'm in jail because I got falsely accused. How many of you, that'd be hard to take, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. That would be hard to take. So here he finds himself in jail, but he stays faithful to God. He stays true to his calling. He stays true to his commitment. He stays confident in what God's called him to do and who he's called him to be in prison. So much so that the warden promotes him. So all the warden has to do is what the warden is going to eat or drink. It's pretty amazing that the warden just let him have the keys to the prison. How cool is that? I'd be out. I don't know about you. I'd take the keys and unlock my door and I'd be gone. But that's just me. He didn't. He stayed faithful. And he stayed faithful. For years he stayed faithful. And he met people inside. He interpreted people's dreams and people that were in high places and, and, and connected to the Pharaoh. And, and he stayed connected to them. He stayed connected to God. Or, and I'm sorry. He was staying connected to God. He was staying faithful to his calling. Faithful to what God called him to do. And then he interpreted these dreams for a couple people and he said, look, don't forget me. When you go back to the palace, tell the king what's going on. Tell Pharaoh what's going on so that maybe he'll have favor on my life and maybe I can get out of this stinking place. So he goes and, and they, what they do, they go and they forget about him. How awesome is that? Look, I did you a solid and that's how you're going to repay me. I mean, seriously, this is Joseph's life, but he stayed faithful. He stayed faithful. He stayed confident. He stayed close to God and he remembered the call of God on his life. He was confident in who God was and who God called him to be. And because of that, one day the Pharaoh had a dream that couldn't be interpreted. And one of these guys that he met in prison go, oh, there was this dude. Now, right? 
Now you remember. There was a, so, so Pharaoh's like, hey, go get that guy that can interpret my dreams. So he goes over and he talks to Pharaoh. And, Pharaoh's like, and, and Joseph's like, here's the dream. Here's what's going to happen. And it actually started happening. And Pharaoh promoted him to what happened. Is that all that Pharaoh had to worry about, well, was he going to eat or drink? He put Joseph in tar- charge of the entire country. He stayed faithful. How many of you would really honestly stay faithful like Joseph did? I got to be honest. I read this story and I think, man, that dude's pretty impressive because I think I probably would have given up. I mean, I don't know about you, but selling myself into slavery, I wouldn't have much confidence in God's plan on my life at that point. How many of you would? Be real. Right? And not only did I get sold into slavery, now I'm getting accused falsely and writing up in prison. But I stayed faithful. I did everything. I tied regularly. I went to church regularly. I prayed regularly. I did everything that I was supposed to do. But somehow it all continues to go wrong. And I stayed faithful in prison. And then, and then, and then, and what happens? Eventually, years down the road, God promotes him to the only place that God can promote him because he remained confident in God year after year, day after day, struggle after struggle. And today I want to talk to you about how to shift your faith because Joey could have given up at any time he wanted to. He could have, and I might have. Who would blame him? Honestly, if, if that book ended in chapter, what, 39, 40, and in there, and it said, and Joseph quit, nobody in the world would be like, why did he give up? You'd be like, of course he quit. I would quit too. But I want to talk to you about how to, how to have confidence when things aren't going your way, when life is, excuse me, handing you lemons, and all you want to do is just scream, when all you want to do is just give up, when all you want to do is just throw in a towel on your marriage, you want to throw in a towel on your job, you want to throw in a towel with your kids, when all you want to do is quit, I want to show you today how you can have confidence in what God has called you to do, how you can have confidence in the middle of a storm, how you can shift your confidence when you need to. Listen, here's what I can learn from Joseph and some of the things I pulled out is the first thing that Joseph did is he shifted his pain. If you're going to have confidence, if you're going to shift your confidence, you have got to shift your pain. And what I mean by that is there was a doctor and he was, uh, he was in, he had, he was a doctor of leprosy. He was actually a chief of medicine at some, somewhere in Louisiana area. And he traveled back and forth to different countries and, 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 and help people study leprosy and, and those kind of things. And so he was worked very closely with a lot of patients that had leprosy, obviously. And one day he had flown all the way over to, over to London and, and he'd taken a train, hours and hours of travel. So he gets back to his hotel and he, and he taken off his shoes, takes off his socks, and he realized he doesn't feel his heel. He can't feel any feeling in his heel, which is one of the first signs of leprosy is when you start losing feeling in a certain area. And so, so he's no, being aware of what leprosy is and, and, and the tests and those kind of things. So he takes off, he takes a pin and he, he sticks it in his heel and he doesn't feel anything. And he just drives a little bit deeper and then finally just goes deep and says, he doesn't feel anything. So he's like, oh no. He goes, well, I've kind of expected this to happen. I work with leprosy. It's kind of one of those things that wouldn't surprise me if I had it. Um, and so he's laying there at bed at night. He's just thinking about, okay, now I'm going to be ostracized from people. I'm going to be, I'm going to be set apart because nobody's going to be around me. What does this mean for my careers over? Everything's over. I just don't know what to do. And he's laying there. You can imagine, right? He's laying there all night, just tossing and turning. And so he wakes up in the morning with what's a little bit of sleep he has. And he decides he's going to test it again. So he takes the pen and he shoves it in his heel and he starts yelling. His pain came back. And he realized that what happened is through the trip, through all the traveling and sitting and flying and train rides, that, that he'd, he'd, his nerve had gotten numb within his heel. But he truly didn't have leprosy. And see, what happened from that point on was he decided that every time he twisted an ankle or he turned an arm or he did this or he did that, he would thank God for pain because pain is what let him know that he was still kicking. 
pain is what let him know that he is still alive. Listen, you've got to embrace pain. Because the Bible says in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have pain. The Bible demand, the Bible says you're going to have pain. So quit trying to get away from pain. Quit trying to avoid pain. It's not going to happen. Newsflash. You're going to have pain. So how do you deal with it? You've got to embrace it. And the way that you embrace pain is Proverbs 3. It says this, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Oh, sorry. All your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Listen, see, in our own world, we're always, men are trying to do two things. Men and women, people, I'll say men as general, but people are trying to do two things. They're trying to avoid pain. They're trying to gain pleasure. That's everything you do in your life is trying to avoid pain and gain pleasure. So we're very good at trying to gain, play, gain, uh, gain pleasure and avoid pain. But the Bible says, trust in your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Why am I going through this pain? Well, I don't understand it, right? That's why I don't understand why I'm going through this pain, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. That's what Joseph did every single day of his life. I do not know why I've been falsely accused, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to acknowledge him. I'm going to lean on him, not on what I see, but I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to acknowledge him in everything and he will make my paths straight. Joseph remained faithful. He acknowledged God in everything that he did. He did not lean on his own understanding. When it didn't make sense, he said, I don't care. I'm trusting in God. And God made his path straight and led him all the way to the throne. Come on, somebody. God wants to do the same thing in your life as well. He wants to do the same thing in your life as well, but you've got to embrace the pain. You've got to shift your pain. You've got to quit trying to avoid it, and you've got to stare straight ahead and embrace it. And the sooner you embrace it, the sooner you acknowledge God in it, the sooner you'll get through it, and he'll, you'll come out on the other side with the keys to the kingdom. Come on. That's good news. That's good news. Listen, pain or passion will make you good enough, but pain plus passion will make you great. Listen, pain or passion will make you good enough, but pain plus passion will often make you great. So you've got to embrace the pain, but the, problem, the reason we run from our pain is because we're not following our passions. See, if we were actually following our passions and we came through the pain, we'd be able to deal with it a lot better. But we're dealing with pain and it's kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it's benign, if you will. It doesn't, we don't understand it. There's no purpose behind it. But when you have passion, now there's purpose behind your pain and your pain is a whole lot easier to tolerate. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Because when you find your passion, pain has a purpose and can propel, can propel you into your destiny. You've got to shift your pain. The second thing you see Joseph do is you've got to shift your pursuit. You've got to shift your pursuit. Matthew 16, 24 says this, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, say anyone, would come after me, let him deny himself. That's tough. That's tough. I wish that wasn't in there, but it is. And take up his cross and follow me. So you've got to have, you've got to shift your pursuit. You've got to have a focus. You've got to understand what you're going after. What are the things in your life that you are pursuing that God has put there, that God is calling you to pursue? Not the things you want to pursue. We talked about this last week. God gives you the desires of your heart, then he gives you the desires of your heart, right? The Bible says, right? So you pray to God, he gives you desires, and then you go after those desires. So what are the desires that you are pursuing that God has given you? You've got to remain focused. Again, Arnold Palmer, I don't know if you heard him, he's this great golfer. 
And he was in 1961, he was ready to win the Masters. He was on the 18th hole, had a one-stroke lead, was ready to walk away with the trophy. And as he's walking down the fairway, he looks over and he sees a friend. And his friend's like, hey. So he walks up, he says, and his friend looks at him and says, congratulations. And so Arnold Palmer, he went up to his ball. He hit the shot. He put it in a sand trap. He hit the sand trap. He hit out of the sand trap and he put it on the edge of the green and he went and missed the putt and he lost the Masters by one stroke. He said the moment he said, his friend said congratulations, the moment he decided to, to go outside the rope and embrace that, his friend, he said, that's when I lost my focus. He said, I decided that I would never do that again. And he never did in 30 years. He went on to become one of the greatest golfers we've ever seen because of his pursuit. Because he didn't allow himself to get unfocused. See, I want to challenge you today. What are you pursuing? What are you really pursuing? Are you pursuing the things of God or are you pursuing the things of this world? Because the Bible says the things of this world that moth will destroy, rust will decay. But listen, when you pursue God, none of that can be ever taken away from you. See, seek ye first the kingdom of God and then these things will be added unto you. But the problem is we've got it shifted where we've shifted it to we seek the things and ask God to bless that. We need to get it shifted back in place. It's proper place. What are you pursuing? See, just like on our part, many, many things will catch your eye, but only few things will catch your heart. Pursue those things. Pursue those things. There's so many things we can pursue in this world, but you need to find the things that are in your heart and go after them. And that's what God's going to bless because he's put them there. He's put those dreams and desires in your heart. You've got to pick them back up. Some of you need to resurrect your dreams today. Some of you need to resurrect those things. You've been beaten down. You've been told you couldn't. The world is told you've been distracted by pursuing all these other things. It's time for you to pick those things back up and start pursuing them because when you seek God first, then these things will be added unto you. Go after God. See, here, that, that's exactly what Joseph did when he, 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 he could have. He could have very easily slept with Predator. And nobody would have blamed him, per se. Because it was his boss's wife putting a lot of pressure, right? It makes a lot of sense. How could I say no? But he had a focus. He had a pursuit. His pursuit was God. And he was going to please God with everything within him. And part of pleasing God was honoring his, his boss, Honoring Potiphar, and he decided to do that, but it, somehow, some way, he ended up in prison. And what looked like what looked like a, a setup was that a, a, a setback was actually a setup, because God was setting him up. Because you got to go through through some things to get to the place you're going, and sometimes that doesn't look like what we think it looks like. But Joseph had an intense focus. So you've got to shift your pursuit. The, the final thing you got to do is you got to shift your quit. Shift your quit. Say shift your quit. Don't say that too fast or too loud or too wrong. It could get weird. You got to shift your quit. Be honest. Anybody ever felt like giving up? I'm raising my hand. I have. I felt like giving up. Absolutely. I felt like giving up. I felt like quitting. I felt like not doing it anymore. There's every one of us. I think if we're pursuing anything in life, there's some point where we feel like quitting. We feel like giving up. Who would have blamed Joseph for quitting? I read his story and I get tired. I mean, seriously, I'm like, it's like, it's like watching uh, uh, Apocalypto. Anybody ever seen Apocalypto? Yeah, that movie makes me tired. Or Unbroken, you ever watch Unbroken? Yeah. That movie, it's like, you're just like, oh my gosh. Especially at the end of Unbroken, where you think it's the end, but it's actually like halfway through, he gets sent to another prison camp. And you're like, are you serious? Or Castaway, you're like at some point, right? You're just, is, is, is what, Tiger Paul, you know, on Apocalypto, he's getting chased. and ch- The entire movie is about him getting chased. And every time he catches a break, he thinks he's away from these guys. All of a sudden, they're on his tail again. He's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, how easy would it have been to quit? 
right? And in our life, man, our marriage is just not what we thought it would be. I just feel like throwing in a towel and quitting. You know, divorce isn't a bad option, really. It actually looks pretty good. You know, I just feel like I can't deal with my boss anymore, but I just feel like quitting. My kids won't listen to me to save their lives. I'm done. I'm out. I'm quitting. Right? It's very easy for us to decide to quit. We've all had these thoughts at some point in our life, whether or not we're going to quit. And Joseph had the same thing. Listen, I want to challenge you not to quit. Shift your quit. Listen, in, uh, in NASA, NASA actually released this satellite. It was called the Pioneer 10 in 1972. It released this satellite to go up. And, and what they were going to do is they were going to, um, they were going to check out J- Jupiter. Their goal was to reach Jupiter. And so they were going to reach Jupiter. It was this little satellite. And the idea is this little thing was going to send pictures and data um, to, 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 uh, to NASA. But to, here's the thing is that no satellite up to that point in 1972 had been beyond Mars. So this was like a new thing. This was going to be a, a, amazing if it actually worked. I mean, this was a little satellite, the asteroid belt. They thought maybe it would get destroyed, wouldn't even make it that far. Had no idea if it even reached its target. But then in 1973, it actually passed Jupiter. And it kept going past Jupiter. and got the pictures neat, but kept going past Jupiter. One billion miles later, it hit Saturn. And then it kept going two billion miles later. It passed Uranus. Here's where you can laugh. Three billion. <laughs> uh, 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 he said Uranus. Uh, three billion miles later, it passed Neptune, right? Four billion miles later, it passed Pluto. This little satellite that could just kept going. I think I can. I think I can. In 1997, 25 years after it launched, it went more than 6 billion miles into the atmosphere, which is pretty amazing because, because here's the thing is your home, you have your lamp in your home, like your table lamp. It, that's about the equivalent of how much energy this satellite would emit. It wasn't made. It was made to last maybe three years top. And here it is 25 years later. It's continuing to, to, to transmit this signal back to earth. Six billion, 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 billion miles. Sorry, you'll get that some of you later. Later, it did that. See, here's the thing is that this little satellite was not qualified. This little satellite, engineers did not design it to go this far, but it kept going. And by simply by being outlasting its competition, by longevity, it it went more than anyone, it went further than anyone thought possible. It accomplished more than anyone could ever think that it could. And listen, here's what I want to tell you is that's the same thing when it comes to serving the Lord. You've just got to get longevity in your life. You've just got to commit to the process. You've just got to say, daggone it, God's called me to it, and I don't care what I see before me, I'm sticking to it. And 25 years from now, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I promise you people may look back and go, how in the world did they do that? How in the world did, they, did their marriage last through all that? How in the world did their kids, are their kids loving God now because of that? How are their finances prospering? It's because you stayed close to God. You stayed faithful to him. And watch what God will do in your life. Listen, whether you think you can or cannot, either way, you're right. Either way, you're right. It's all in our head, right? It's all in your head. Come on, sing it with me. Or don't. It's okay. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. James 1 says this, Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides. So consider it a gift when you get challenges. Consider it a gift when you get put in prison falsely. Consider it a gift 
when you get stuck in prison and people forget about you. Consider it a gift when your marriage is going sideways. Consider it a gift when your kids are acting a fool. Consider it a gift when you have more month at the end of your money. Right? Consider it a gift when you have tests and challenges from all sides. Because you know that under pressure, under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. And you've got to read your Bible like this, people. It's more fun. Trust me. Into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. What he's saying here, the writer James said, listen, you're going to have problems, stick to it. You're going to have problems, go through it. Because when you go through it, the person you're going to be on the other side is the person that God needs you to do to fulfill the mission that's in your life. But you've got to go through it. What is the, one of the first laws of leadership? Is do never, never trust anybody without a limp. Right? Because you cannot lead somebody you've never been. You've got to go through some stuff to get where you need to go. If you're going to be the, 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 the spiritual giant that God has called every one of us to be, come on. If you're going to reach people for Jesus, if you're going to build his kingdom, you're going to have to go through some stuff. And he's going to refine you by fire. But you've got to decide right now you're not going to quit. Shift your quit. Don't quit. Joseph could have pled his case. Did you ever see where Joseph said, hey, look, excuse me. Um, I was falsely accused. We need to talk about that. Can we have another trial? He never did that. He never once pleaded for his, for his, for his guilt. He never once went and said pleaded for his freedom. He just stayed faithful and decided not to quit. He pursued God and he refused to get up. Listen, because so much so that the warden, Genesis 39 says, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. See, he had success because of who his confidence was in. He shifted his focus on God and not his circumstances. 